This Torah class is brought to you by TorahAnytime.com. So here's the crazy thing, is so many of us are busy tailoring who we are to others. You know, we're, we're tailoring, we're like snipping and pruning who we are for others. Why? So that they would like us. But you know what's crazy about that? That if they like you because you tailored who you are so that they like you, is it you, is it you they like? You have this? The crazy thought. And I'm going to say it again for those of you who need to hear that again. If you tailor who you are to be liked, when they like you, is it you they like? It's not even you they like. So what good was it? So at least if it's you, if it's truly you, meaning you're being truly you, and really being authentic about who you are, not everyone's going to like you. It's going to rub people wrong. You know, it's gonna, some people are going to be you know, not, not as happy to be connected to you because you're like real, you're raw, you know. It's like the real, raw you. But at least when someone likes you, it's you they like. I'm being quiet right now because I'm thinking about this title of how to get people to like you. I don't. I, I'm. I'm just being quiet right now because I'm being misminded in it. Because I'm not even sure that's a goal. Is it a goal that you should be liked? I mean, you're supposed to be noich lebrius. You know, you, people, people should be happy with you. And I think all of us, all of us have a deep need to be liked. I think all of us want to be liked. But but it is, there's a certain point where you, you you don't want to pay. I don't think it's a, appropriate to pay the price to be liked. For example, I don't think it's worth it to be liked if it means to to let go of your your values to. By the way, I am going to give you how to be liked. But I, I'm just, first I just wanted to like think into it a bit, you know, like, do we really want that as a goal? I think what we really want is to be good. I think that's, to be good would be more, a better goal, a more noble goal, would be to, to be good and, and uh, to be an example to be a light to others and 
to be caring and, and loving and a, a contribution to the world. I can tell you some of the secrets of why I'm so well-liked. One of the reasons I'm well-liked is because I share everything, everything. Any of you guys ever watched me online or heard my classes online on Torney Time or anything like that? Any of you? Yes. Yeah. Tell me, have you ever heard anyone as honest about themselves as me? You understand what I'm talking about? I'm super honest about myself. So I have a joke why I'm so honest about myself because since I'm already a Balch- since I'm already a Balchu- my wife and I are already Bali Chuve, so we're already pasnish for Shaduchim. So I so I can actually just say whatever I want. It's you should know by the way, it's wonderful to for Shaduchim to be Bali Chuve. You know why? First of all, it completely gets rid of all the git Shaduchim that you hear about. You know, the nightmares. So, so we don't get none of the Gittes Shaduchim are going for the Bali Chuvah, so that, that's perfect. And, uh, and what you wind up with is people who, who are very real, and it's only like, it really narrows it down to like very real people. So, like, all our Shaduchim are with, with couples, they're all very Chashiv couples. I'm not going to start listing who I, my kids are married to, but they're very Chashiv. And they're, but the one thing about them is they don't give a damn what anyone thinks. I mean, they just don't care what anyone thinks. And they, they, they're, uh, you know, I once went up to Hezki Kaftel here in Shabbos Kirtani many years ago. I said to him, so do you marry your kids off to wealthy families? And he says to me, no, I'm a gem collector. And I said, what do you mean a gem collector? He says, I just look for gems. And when I find a gem, I marry off my child to that gem. Yeah. That was my question. You marry off your kids to rich, to rich families. No, I'm a gem collector. I share of myself, and it gives you a lot of traction. You see, when people don't share much about themselves, they don't give you anything to grab onto. And when you share a lot of yourself, so you give, you got a lot of, there's a lot of texture. It's like a climbing wall. You ever seen these kids' gyms when they, they climb the wall with all the different hand positions? So, like, I'm a good climbing wall. I give a lot to, to grab. I'm not one of those poker players with the cards close to my chest. I'm not gonna let anyone see. <laughs> you know, I find Hasidic Shaviva, their cards are so close to their chest, they themselves don't know what they got. So my cards are on the table. And you want to know something? Not only does it make you very likable because everyone's got a chance to know you now, and to know somebody is to love them. So not only are the cards on the table so people can grab on, but another amazing thing is you never have to remember what you might have said to that one versus what you might have said to that one. What did you say over there? And what did you say in that city? And what did you say in that meeting? And what did you say over there? And what did you say in that shul? Because you got to keep track. When your card's on the table, you never, ever, ever have to think about what you might have said to anybody. You want to be the kind of guy or gal that someone should be able to ask you, Akasha, I heard you say this there, and I heard you say that. Like, how could that be true in the same... Meaning they should be able to ask Akasha on you. 
Whereas most people aren't asking cashes on you because people are full of contradiction. But if your card's on the table, you don't have to be full of contradiction. You can actually just be, like, free. And the other thing, as I said earlier, was not just to share, but to, but, um, but to, to be honest. Now, let's really talk about how to be liked and be who you are. There's a distinction that often gets blurred between acceptance and approval. Acceptance and approval. They often get blurred. What does that mean? Who do you approve of? Whoever you accept. Let me start again. There's something called acceptance. Yeah? And there's something called approval. Are those the same words? They're very different words. Okay? Approval has to do with standards of behavior. And acceptance is just being accepted for who you are, right? But what happens is you, and I'm talking to you, all of you, you only accept the people you approve of. Tell me, if you only, if you only accept the people you approve of, does that make you dangerous or safe? Which one? That makes you very dangerous because I don't know if I'm safe with you. First of all, I have no idea what your standards are. You might have very high standards. How am I supposed to know? I don't know who you are. And if you only accept people that you, that you approve of their standards, who, how do I know I'm up to snuff? How do I know that I reach your standards of approval? How many of us change our standards to get acceptance? How many of you have lowered your personal standards to get acceptance? How many of you raised your personal standards to get acceptance? How do you know if your level of Yiddishkeit is even real? Maybe your whole level of Yiddishkeit is just because you've been trying to get accepted by standards that aren't even yours. It's an interesting question. I actually asked this question when I was in Asia Torah 30, 32 years ago, I was at Asia Torah as a Bukhar. And I had this question like, am I really from? And so you know what the rabbi said? He says, go down to the Sinai. Go down to the Sinai Desert. Go take a few days to the Sinai Desert. You'll find out how from you are. And I did. Put on my backpack, headed down the Sinai Desert. And I found out I'm not so from Shomer Shabbos, Shomer Kashis, Shomer Nagia. But I'm really a pretty new Balshuva. And then I got back to Yerushalayim, and I was much more sober at that point. So maybe, maybe your, your whole standards of approval are societal. And how would you know? <laughs> so I'm not telling you to go to the Sinai, but take a trip to Vegas. You'll find out how from you are real quick. <laughs> Whatever happens in Vegas stays in Vegas. Now, acceptance and approval is, are super important to distinguish from one another. Acceptance means that you're accepted no matter what. Accepted no matter what. Whereas approval 
is you either meet the standards of approval and you get approval, you get the stamp, stamp, or you don't meet the standards of approval and you lose the stamp. Acceptance, you're accepted no matter what. Give you an example. I walk out of my house on Shabbos in Yerushalayim. I go in a gold kaftan. I'm on my way to Karlin in my streimel and my talis, heading out to, to Karlin. And I run into, I, I come across an Israeli guy with tattoos and body piercings, and he's got a mohawk, meaning he's a hakofa of his hair. It's bald on the sides with hair on the top. This guy is a walking mitzvah loisase. And he's smoking a cigarette. Can I accept him? Based on what I said? 100%. Can I approve? No. No approval, full acceptance. Well, how do I do that? The answer is, I just ask myself a question. If I live that guy's life, which guy would I be? Him or me? If I lived his whole life, from the beginning, every, all the hell he went through with the broken family and the beatings and the disasters and the everything, and then this tattoo and that tattoo, and the, who would I be if I lived his whole life? I don't mean my brain and his brain. I'm saying his brain. If I lived that whole life, which guy would I be, him or me? Him. And what if he lived my whole life? Surfer in California, grown up in a mansion, father goes bankrupt. Gets a free ticket to Yerushalayim, scholarship to Yeshatayah, discovers Judaism. Which guy would he be? He'd be me. Well, I hope he could accept me. Now, I don't, he doesn't have to approve of me. And I don't have to approve of him. But 100% accept. Definite acceptance. Because that would have been me. Because who's sitting in your chair right now? As you sit here listening to me, who is that person inside your chair? And the answer is, who's sitting in your chair right now is the sum total of a large equation, a mathematical equation that has led to this decision, that decision, this, and that, until, boom, here you are sitting in your chair. And I accept you 100%. Because had I lived your life, I'd be sitting in that chair. And if you live mine, you'd be up here talking. That's acceptance. And guess what? Acceptance isn't stum. Acceptance is very important. In fact, it's one of our most important desires. And guess what it leads to? Acceptance leads automatically to love. Acceptance leads to love. And love's your deepest need. Think about it. Seriously, make a cheshman. Who are the people that you love? Who do you love? Seriously, who do you love? Everyone that you feel what? Accepts you. That's who you love. You love people who accept you, period. That's it. The people who are like, don't give a damn what you ate last week. They don't care what you did in Vegas. The people you love are the people that accept you no matter what, period. Which is why you have such an issue with your mommy. Just talking to ladies for a second. It's a major trip, trip for women. It's a major trip for women to get to the point where they can make sure their daughters feel accepted no matter what. And I'll give you a hint, by the way. If you want your daughters to help you in the kitchen, say to them, 
I'm going to be doing the Milchig side in about an hour, but but if you if if you don't mind, you know, and you can do it yourself. As opposed to, can you please do the Milchig side, or else I hate you. Now, listen. <clears throat> Acceptance leads to love. Let's make a duke. Who do you hate? Who do you hate? Who are the people you can't stand? The people you can't stand are the people who either you know or suspect wouldn't accept you. That's who you hate. And you may know them already for like 20 years, so you have like this long laundry list of why you hate them. Tell me, what would happen if you suddenly overheard that they like really hold of you? Like they really think you're the cat's meow? What would you do with your long list if you f- suddenly found out they really hold of you? What would you do with your list? Gone like that, just pfft. Because that's not the reason you hate them. The reason you hate them is you don't feel safe. Now, when parents are pregnant with a baby, so I'm going to tell you a little possibly seminar medrash, meaning it's a medrash I made up. When you're pregnant with a baby... <coughs> Well, I killed my voice whispering during Shalshutis. What a mistake. When parents are pregnant with uh, a baby, so they go up to Shemayim that night, and the angel says, they come to the angel, and the angel says, we see you're pregnant, and the parents are like, and the angel says, you know, it's been determined in heaven that that in order for your child to be healthy, meaning a healthy individual, your child needs to have one address where she is loved or he is loved no matter what. And the parents are like, yes. And the angel says, we thought that address should be your address. And the parents are like, we agree. And then the angel says, sign. So the parents sign. And then I think when they come back from the angel, I th- when the baby's born, I think it's the same angel that touched the baby here and forgot all of Torah because the parents forgot about what they signed on. And within like <clears throat> a couple years, the parents are like, you know, suddenly looking at the Schwartzes and looking at the Goldsteins and they're looking at their kid and they're like, <laughs> okay. You know, and they're like... And the kids like hopping this vibration. Remember, everything's vibration. Kids are hopping that their parents are more concerned with the Goldsteins and the Schwartzes and the, than they are with little Yankee or little Brachy or something. So the kids are already hopping that hey, this house isn't so safe. Now, when you're diving at the Kaisel with your pregnancy, and the two of you are at the Kaisel, if you're Satme, you're overlooking the Kaisel. You're nominating them. Please, she should be a tzaddik. She should be a tzaddikis. What are you really saying? You're saying, may my child be a Yitzchak Avinu. May my child be a Yitzchak Avinu. I don't want the Avram Avinu version. I don't want the one who burns my idols. I don't want the one that tests me. 
I don't want any phone calls from the Minahel or the Minahelis. You know what a Minahelis? It's the person from hell. The Minahelis. I don't want calls home. I don't want someone messing with the system. Just give me a Yitzchak. But you want to know something? In our community, we tend to have a lot of kids. You're going to have an Avram Avina. And I don't know how you say that in the female, but an Avram Avinet. But you're going to have That's just the way it is. You, and it's not bad. You need somebody to burn your idols. Because your biggest of Odazora is you're, you're cutting yourself, cutting every unique appendage about you to get acceptance. You need someone like that. You need someone to wake you up. You need someone to let you know that you've breached the contract with the angel over your children. You need a child that wakes you up. Your address should be a safe address. Your address should be where your kids' friends want to play. Your address should be the place where everybody's safe. Sometimes I'll be speaking in Williamsburg. When I do a Shabbos in Williamsburg, I'll, they'll invite all the wives to come to some big house, and then I'll give a talk there. And I remember asking a big group of uh, Williamsburg women, about 50 women, I said, what's safer, your house or the streets? And the women were like, our house? I'm like, depends. If acceptance and approval are blurred in your house, then the streets are safer. I mean, what is this country you live in? It's the USA, the United States of acceptance. So if your house isn't the United House of acceptance, well, the United States of acceptance is. And notice their problem. See, our problem is we have these high standards. We're from So we have these high standards of approval, which get blurred with acceptance, and nobody feels safe. Not in the community, and not in the house. You know what the problem with Americans is? They have the opposite problem. Because the United States of acceptance, they think, not only do you have to accept everyone, you have to also, what? Approve. So there's no standards. There's no right or wrong. It's gotten so bad that there's no such thing as even male or female. And this place is really whack. But it's the same thing. I'm telling you, it's an exact natural progression. The reason why gender dysphoria is so intense in this country is because of this. Because of the blur of acceptance and approval. The opposite direction. And you should be worried. Because every society, every civilization that ever lost its way on right and wrong, meaning once they lose their compass of which way is north, Hashem pulls the plug on that society. And I'll tell you something even scarier, and you can research this online if you doubt what I'm about to say. But they have checked the artwork, the artwork, the creative artwork of civilizations that have disappeared, cities that have disappeared, countries that have disappeared. That every time the generation before that country or that civilization or that city disappears... The generation right before that, the artwork turns gender neutral. You can no longer tell if the figure is male or female in the artwork of the civilization. Right before Hashem just pulls the plug on it. 
and you, you, you are living this. And I saw this 10 years ago before anyone was living this. And I was warning people 10 years ago, watch where this is going. And now you're in the thick of it. Sorry I'm saying you, because I live in Eretz Israel. <laughs> We're not dealing with what these kind of... We don't have these kind of issues over there. Unless you go to Tel Aviv. But that's a one-generational problem <laughs> in, in Tel Aviv. <laughs> Meaning, go ahead, if that's what you guys want to do. You know, it's going to be a one-generational issue. You know, Whereas uh, when it's an entire country, you better, you better pack your bags. So, so listen up. I was speaking to a group of, uh, of, uh, Satmir men, about 80 men in a big room, and I asked them, any of you ever were Malamed of, uh, Kita Gan? And, uh, a couple guys raised their hand, and I said, how many kids in the Kita? He says, 40. 40 kids. Three years old. And I said, tell me, were any of those two kids the same? Were any of them alike? He says, no one was alike. It was crazy. I said, was there even overlap between the kids? There's no overlap. Every kid was his own like Chaya. And, and then I said, uh, tell me, anyone here was ever a Melamed of Kitates? When the Bar Mitzvah boys get their, get their hat and their rekel. And a couple raised their hand. I said, tell me, were any of those two boys different? And they were like, one guy, another guy raised his hand. One of the Malamans said, anything that was even remotely different about any of them, they, they, would, they would amputate it. They were like self-amputating of anything special about themselves. Anything to just fit in. And now you're liked. That was you they, that's you they like. It's not even you. So what good is being liked if what they like is something that's not even me to begin with? When you separate acceptance and approval, and you let approval just be my standards of behavior, and acceptance is I accept you no matter what, when you do that, when you hop that, the acceptance develops its own vibration and people start to realize that they're accepted by you no matter what. And when people realize they're accepted by you no matter what, you become the safe address. You are now that safe address and you will be the most beloved person that anyone ever met. You're not playing games to try to conform to other people's standards. You keep your own standards and we have enough standards with Shulchan Aruch and our local minhagim based on your community. We have enough standards for that. Keep those standards. Do not break your personal standards. Now, if you're, if the standards of your community are too much for you, so move to Queens like the other guys did. You know, but if you're going to stay in your community and get the benefit that our communities give us, and our communities give us tremendous, tremendous support. They give us tremendous support. They protect our children from all kinds of mishugas. There, there's, we're getting a lot of benefit. The price we pay is to keep the standards of that community, at least in, at least outdoors. When you get home, you know, go ahead and buy a giant rubbish of Beckature and go crazy if you want, you know. (laughs) 
But you be the most accepting person. I promise you, everyone you love are the people that, that, that you feel accepted by. So learn the lesson and be the most accepting person. If the people you love are the people that accept you, it's a simple math. Be the most accepting person. It becomes vibrational, meaning if, if like, if you and, uh, uh, this is my new friend I met uh, last night, but if you and I got out of the car in, uh, in 7-Eleven Muncie, where all the tuna bagels hang out, the, off the Derek kids are over there, and they see two Froom guys approaching the Motsi Shabbos. So, I, now today they'd know who I am, just because they're all on YouTube or whatever, but if we were there 15 years ago, you would have seen that they would have been totally chill with me, but, but you, they'd be like, trying to figure out what your game is first, why you're even talking to them. You understand? But they would be totally relaxed with me because I've developed this vibration of acceptance. I've developed it. And I, and I know the hurt involved and the, and the, the loss of, the loss of my sense of self from conforming to other people's approvals that hurt me deeply and took me away from my true self. So I'd like to finish with uh, just uh, the when I lost my Rosh Hashiva. My Rosh Hashiva of North Weinberg of Eshetera, he, um, you know, he, he saved my life, you know, and my parents' life, my kid, my brothers, and, and all the thousands of people I was in the car of. And when he passed away, we were, we were finished. I mean, we were just, all his Talmudim were finished. We couldn't stop crying and crying and crying. I'm still crying. It's years, or it's 20 years, I don't know, 15 years. And we were all, we didn't even know what to do with ourselves. We were teaching, you would be teaching a, I was teaching a shir, and I couldn't help but go to a tour of his because he had just passed away. And I would just, I, would, I told him in advance I may start crying and have to leave for a few minutes. And then I would just start sobbing and leave the classroom. But when I walked out of the classroom to the hall, there were my friends that were all macarved by Rav Noach were in the hallway crying. And we all just hugged and sobbed in each other's arms until we got our act together and went back in again. And then we'd meet up 20 minutes later again. We couldn't stop. It, it was a big mystery to me because I had a lot of mashpiyim and a lot of mashpiyim have passed away and several of my mashpiyim have passed away. Including the Pinskarlina Rebbe Zatzal was like a father to my wife and I. So, only Rav Noach caused these tears and it took, I did a lot of years of his bunyanus to try to figure out what it was that and the answer was that he loved us no matter what. Rav Noach didn't give a damn what we were up to. He didn't care what we ate last week. He didn't care whether we kept Shabbos or didn't. He just didn't care. He loved us. We never felt that loved before by anybody in our lives. And our parents loved us. 
They didn't love us like he did. And to lose someone like that was, it's just devastating. Be that person. Be that person for everybody. Be the person who you just love them no matter what. And you want to know something? Your kids will be Heilige. Kids will be Froom. Because what good is it if your kids are Froom if they've been damaged? Because the, their, 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 their love came at gunpoint of you better do what's approvable or not. What good is it if they're Froom? They're robots. They're dead. You killed your own kids. You got Froom zombies. What good is that? You make sure that your standards of your house are high, shulchanach and the minhagim of your community, and you make sure that your acceptance is even higher. When you pass away, your kids should be devastated. Not like this. Whoa, that was heavy. Good to You've just experienced another Torah class brought to you by TorahAnytime.com.